And now, here's your host of Shaping Success, Wes Tankersley. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Shaping Success. I am your host, Wes Tankersley. Thanks for hanging out with me. It is a, another way for me to get back into the swing of things. I've been doing a lot of solo episodes, so we've got another interview for you. We'll get to that in just in a minute. If you want to help support the show, help it grow, help it get better, please support any way you can. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. That's a free way. You can head over to Patreon and you can subscribe. We have currently one Patreon. Just getting started with that. Nikki Pavlovich, thank you for supporting the show for as little as $4 a month. You can help us get the show upgraded. Today, our interview is with Brandon Miller. He is a muscle specialist. We're going to ask him a little bit about that, and we're going to talk a little bit of baseball because guess what? You know I love it. So, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a great... Um, I haven't been doing a lot of interviews, and last week I interviewed Mark England, which his episode will be coming out next week. Um, and, well, last week for people who are listening. Um, and so... He introduced me to you and a, and a few other people, and I just love this connection thing because there's so many different things that are involved. And um, he told me you were a baseball guy, which we talked a little bit about talking about sports and things like that, and how um, you know self talk and things like that because vocabulary and all the things that Mark talked about. Um, I feel like it really goes hand in hand with athletics. So before we talk a little bit about that, why don't you just give us kind of a little bit of background on who you are, what you do. So I've been doing, uh, doing this for a while now. I own a exercise and therapy business in, um, Mequon, Wisconsin, which is just North of Milwaukee. Uh, been in the exercise space for 22 years now, uh, started out as a division one athlete, uh, went from there to getting a master's degree in biomechanics, uh, and then moved into the strength and conditioning, um, phase of that where I worked with professional athletes for about the first six, seven years of my career. And then, uh, ended up going more into the private sector where, uh, I saw a very big gap between strength and conditioning, being strong and just overall function of people's bodies, especially as you get older. Um, so I, uh, Took a couple different routes, went through something called MAT or muscle activation techniques, um, where my business partner and I became, at one point, we were like two of 80 in the world at the highest level of it. Uh, been through something called RTS, which Tom Purvis started a um, long time ago, which is more the physics of uh, exercise and you know uh, muscle physiology. Um, and from there, you know, we created this business that we've had now for the last, see, I think we're in our 12th year. Um, and I work one-on-one -on -one with people that have basically dysfunction moving, um, usually that have a lot of pain, right. And we create solutions for them. Um, so then, I was laughing about that because you said you were, when, when you were talking a little bit, like biomechanics is so i'm i'm a p my degree is in kinesiology as a pe teacher they made us take biomechanics they made us take the biomechanics that the ex-phys majors were taking which yeah i'm terrible at math i was going to be an athletic trainer and there was too much physics too much chemistry too much <laughs> too much math i'm like screw this i'm gonna be pe teacher but the biomechanics man you got to be pretty intelligent that's probably why you we'll talk a little bit about coaching but you probably work really well with those athletes because of their background, because you can kind of understand their mentality a little more. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm more of a, I'm, I'm very analytical, right? Like uh -huh. in the sense that um, even with my clients that I work with on a daily basis, we measure a lot of things. Like I'm not a, I'm not a guy that can just like, you know, there's a science and an art to, you know, exercise in general and building right. strength and working with, you know, clients and or athletes, it doesn't matter, but I'm more on the science part of it. Like I like to measure things. I like to be able to see how things actually, you know, translate into true data mm -hmm. versus like, you know, the subjective, you know, feel of things like, you know, does that feel better? I, I want it to like everybody wants right. it to, that's the whole reason they come to you. But I'm looking at like, how are, how are these things, how are these metrics that we're trying to measure, how are they changing and how are they changing over time? And are my interventions actually creating change? 
yeah. outside of your symptomatic complaint, right? Um, because if I just, if I base my success on you feeling better, that's not a very good relationship, like, it, you know, long term, because there's going to be times where you feel really good and there's going to be times where you don't feel good. And so am I not doing my job in the, in the, the times that you don't feel as good? You know, like I need to have other parameters to be able to show like my, you know, my worth to a client right. over a long period, period of time. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm it's more as simple as like measuring flexibility, right? Like I had my knee replaced two years ago and that was like one of the main ways that they made sure that you were recovering correctly was how far you could flex that knee and they measure it with a gauge and, and they, you can tell them that you don't feel good. Right. Cause it's funny. Right. He, they're like, this is not going to feel good for like a year. And I'm like, well, this is stupid because why did I get this done? Cause it feels just as bad as it did, you know, three, four months later. Yeah. And then a year later they were right. Like I, it's the best thing I ever did <laughs> because right. I was hobbling around before and now I'm not. And I, now I don't feel the pain, but that, that work that you're doing, even though it's not showing, like if someone's in pain, it doesn't mean that they're not actually getting better. Pain is kind of that reaction to the activity, right? Well, yeah, check. Like we look at it as like pain's like your check engine light, right? Like yep. it, it, it's telling you that something's wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the place that you have pain is where it's coming from, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, my job on a daily basis is to figure out like somebody comes in with knee pain, like, is it coming from their knee or somewhere around that area? Or is it coming from somewhere completely different? Right. Um, you know, and a prime example, like I just had a volleyball um, kid come in not too long ago that I've been working with for the last couple of months who's going on to play division one volleyball. And she's had, you know, severe knee issues for the last year and wasn't sure how that was going to impact her ability to go play volleyball at the collegiate level. She's had PRP, she's had a bunch of interventions, nothing's really worked. And so she came in, we do a full assessment on all of our clients, um, you know, so that if I do something crazy, I can justify like working in a completely opposite, you know, end of her, her body if, if I need to. Right. Um, but one of the biggest impacts that we had with her was, you know, neck stuff. Like she had had three concussions over a four year period of time. And uh, when we started getting strength and stability back through her neck, like her knee stuff almost went completely away. And right. it was like, so how much of this is a knee problem? How much is it? This is a neck problem. Um, so those are the things that we work on on a daily basis. And we work with a lot of people with knee, hip replacements, shoulder replacements, you know, spinal fusions. We got autoimmune stuff. I mean, it's like, usually if you get to my office, you know, you've been everywhere else. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like, if you can't help me, I don't know what's going to happen. And we've actually like, we've been very fortunate to have pretty good success with people in those scenarios. And, you know, it, it, it's been good. Like I enjoy what I do every day. So. Yeah. And it's, it's a chain reaction with your body anyways. It's like a car, right? Like I think about, cause I, you know, I think of everything that I've ever done and I kind of like relate it that way. And like, I think of cars when I worked on cars, I used to change tires for 11 years and people come in and they're like, your tires wear terrible. Well, they wear terrible because your car's out of alignment. You got to put it back in alignment. If, you're, if your neck is out, it can cause you to compensate for everything else. You know, I had my knee replaced and I'm walking different. So now I'm using different muscles that I wasn't using before to compensate for the deficiency in this leg. And now my back's out of whack. It's like there, there's all those yeah. things that can just take you out and and you don't really think of it that way because you only think about what did I just have done? What just was bothering me? Yeah. You know, it's that whole, like, you know, we live in a society where my symptom is this treat my symptom. Right. right. And we don't look at what are all the things that were contributing factors to that symptom in the first place. You know, whereas yes, you had a knee replacement. We know that there is damage to the surrounding tissues that need to be able to heal. Like your inability to move your knee is just your body protecting that joint until it starts to heal. But we also know that you need to get some motion through it as well, right? So how do I do that in a way that gets you what you want, which is more motion with less discomfort in a way that strengthens your body, but also what are all the things that potentially led to that knee being so damaged in the first place? Because if you don't change that mechanism, guess what? That knee replacement's only going to last you so long and you're going to wear that sucker out too, right? So 
you know, from there, it's like, that's my first thing is when I get a knee replacement that comes in, it's like, what are all the things that happened prior to that knee (laughs) needing to be replaced? Yeah. Because if you start systematically figuring those things out, it's crazy that you can go and work in a different area of somebody's body. They're coming right off a knee replacement and all of a sudden their knee flexion, which is usually the hardest thing to get back. Right. It's better and you haven't touched their knee yet. Yeah. And they're just like, what the hell is going on? Like my, you know, my PT usually sits there and cranks on it, you know, trying to get it and you're working somewhere else. And all of a sudden I can bend my knee better. Yeah. So, and that's just, funny because that's what stuff. they, they do. Like, you know, you go in for physical therapy. I remember the first thing, like they spend like 10 minutes every day, just moving it back and forth, wiggling it around, like trying to get that joint loosened up and things like that. And it, it just, I don't know. It's crazy. I'm not going to go too far into what was what happened with my <laughs> knee, but I can guarantee you it's a mechanical nightmare. I mean, I've had, I had five surgeries on it before I had the knee replaced and, you know, I'm only 42. So it, it was a, you know, starts with bad alignment and then ends right. up, you know, they realign and then just, it destroyed the other half. And it was like, all right, here we go. So, yeah, I mean, you can only, you can only um, foster so much damage before it's like, man, there's, there, there just becomes a point of no return. Right. Where, right. It's like, you know, there's just nothing left. Um, you kind of sound like one of my other clients who he had five, he had three ACLs and two meniscus surgeries on the same knee, but he's also six, eight, 300 pounds, right? Yeah, well, it's like, that's part of know, the problem too. <laughs> he, he's, he's a, he's a large, he's a large human being. And, uh, yeah. you know, he finally got his knee replaced and, you know, ever since then it's been, you know, just, it's like, it's given him his life back. Right. right. And it's like, we got to the point where, you know, I'd worked with him prior to him having his knee replaced. And I'm like, this is the best I think it's going to get. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't good enough for him. And I get it, man. It's like, Hey, if, if it's not good enough, let's go get this sucker replaced and let's, you know, see what we can do after that. And now he's, he's in a really good spot. So. Well, let's know. talk, let's talk a little bit about that because I think that one of the things that, you know, Mark, Mark talked a lot about like self-talk and that's why you're here because I think that there is this mindset that you have to go through. Um, I was really interested because, you know, I'm a baseball coach or I was a baseball coach as PE teacher, Kenise major um, and coaching kids and things like that. And I think one of the hardest things that you can do, and this can happen with everyday patients in your clinic, this can happen with your players. This can happen with your kids, right? Like one of the biggest things that you have to do is be able to believe in yourself and understand that the words that you give yourself in your head can change the outcome of anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, what stories are you telling yourself? Right. And what, what things, you know, are going in, what things are going through, through your mind at any given point that you're either willing or not willing to share with people, you know, like the, whether it's a client that comes in that my knee hurts, I need you to fix my knee. Well, what is that? What is the story behind that? Like what, what is the thing or things that that knee pain is keeping you from doing? That's the important thing. That's what I have to get to. Not right. Let me figure out how to fix your knee. Like, because again, like that's setting me up for failure. Right. Right. Like but if that person says, you know, if I can get to the root cause of why that knee is bothering their or affecting their life in a negative way. Like I can't walk up and down my stairs in my brand new home that we, me and my husband just built because our bedroom, our master bedrooms on the second floor. Right. Well, that's now that's something that, Hey, now we have something that we can work with. Right. Like that's a true goal. Like how can I figure out how to get you to walk up those stairs? Right. Right. When I'm, when I'm working with one of my pitchers, like, what is your goal? What do you want to accomplish this year? Right. And then from there we can start to talk about, okay, is there a plan that we can put together to help you reach that goal? And then how are you setting yourself up for success based on the way you present yourself, the way you work, the things that you're saying to yourself, like you have to believe that you can actually accomplish said goal or it's worthless. Right. So we talk a lot about that with clients, with, you know, my players, we talk a lot about Mm -hmm. self-talk. We, we talk about a a lot about soft talk. 
that you and Mark maybe talked about, about the wishy-washy words that we tend right. to use all the time. And the first thing that I do with our guys in the fall is we talk about that stuff. Like, have you guys ever heard of soft talk? What is it? Because a lot of you use it on a daily basis, right? Right. And, and so usually we go over this like the second day of fall practice for all the new guys. And we write all the words up on the board and we have like all the upperclassmen, they get it because they've been through it now for the last three years. And I have them do that, you know, the soft talk challenge, right? Like write all these words on a, on a piece of paper and you have to text, shoot a picture of where you put this note where you can see it every day. And I want a picture of it sent to our group chat. So we have a team group chat that we use. So now like by the third day of practice, I've got 35 to 40 pictures in our group chat of where these guys have put their soft talk words. And then we just talk about that, like throughout the fall, how often do you hear your professors use these words? How often do you hear other friends of yours? Like when you have conversation, use these words. How often do your parents use these words, right. right? Now, if I bring that to the forefront, guess what? Now they start to hear it in their own language where it's like, yeah, I hope I throw a strike here. You hope like, what is that? You know, right. like, and, and they start to catch themselves. So when we, when we're going through the fall, it's really like our fall. Yes. It's about development. It's about baseball, but it's also about the development of your mindset. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to drive that home early in the fall. You know, what is our mindset coming into the, to the, to practice? What is our mindset going into the weight room? What is our mindset? You know, when we're in the middle of the diamond getting ready to enter squad, what is your mindset? You know, when you just failed in the middle right. of the diamond or when you failed at home plate, like what is failure, right? We define all those things for, for our guys so that, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that we've done over the last couple of years is really work on our language, yeah. work on our mindset of things. Um, we have a division one team that practices at our field in the fall and we have a huge whiteboard in our dugout and I'm always putting stuff up on our whiteboard. And anytime we go through any of our goal setting or our soft talk stuff, their head coach for three years has been asking us, what the hell is this on the board? He's like, I'm super interested. He's like, <laughs> he's like, can, can you run us through what you're doing? And our head coach is like, absolutely not. We play you once a year. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes, once you're off our schedule, he goes, maybe Brandon will come over and go through it with you guys. We're not giving away our trade secrets. <laughs> oh no. So, so I haven't been able to do it with those guys. They've asked a handful of times, but our head coach is like, Oh no, not until they're off our schedule. Yeah. So I was like, that's fair. So you, you talked about goal setting a little bit, and I think it's interesting because I know like coach, cause I coach high school baseball. Most recently it was like just the freshmen. So they come in there okay. and some of them are eighth graders, some of them are freshmen and they, a lot of them have these unrealistic goals. Do you have that at the college level? Do you have that in, you know, your working environment where they're like, you know, a kid comes in and says, this is just like out of nowhere, but like, I want to, I'm going to throw a hundred miles an hour this year. It's like, virtually impossible for an eighth grader to throw that hard or whatever. What do you, how do you kind of work through that process? Because it may be possible later, but it's not possible now, or it may never be possible for that kid. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's not bad to have extreme goals, you know, like that. Like if you're an eighth grade and you're like, yeah, I want to throw hundred miles an hour. Well, who the hell doesn't. Right. <laughs> um, you know, that, that it's not, a bad goal per se. It's just like you said, is it realistic and where are you at now? Right. And it's, it's okay to have those goals that are a little far off, but I also need to know, like, is it realistic that you can throw a hundred miles an hour this year? Right? right. Like you're in eighth grade, you currently throw 62. Like, right. are you going to be able to, to gain 48 miles an hour or 38 miles an hour of velocity in a year? No, like what's the average velocity gain for a kid in high school, college, wherever, whatever level you're at in a year? Well, typically at our level, it can be anywhere from two to four miles an hour. Like that's just the average that we typically see with our incoming freshmen, right? Uh -huh. So if you're setting at 85, 
Like it's not realistic for you to be at 95 by the end of your freshman year, but it is realistic for you to potentially be at 90. Right. Right. So let's not take away from the idea of like, I still want to throw 95. Let's just say, okay, that could be a a two to three year goal. Mm -hmm. But what is your goal for this year? What do you want to accomplish this year that we can legitimately put a plan together that if it's followed, you have a realistic shot of hitting it, right? Yeah. Those are the conversations that we have. It's like, hey, man, like I want every single guy on our staff to come to me and say, coach, I want to win pitcher of the year. Yeah. That's great. But, you know, can you control that? No, you can't because you can't control how the other 13 coaches in our league are going to vote. Right. Right. Like, I'll give you a prime example. We had a kid last year who led our league in every statistical category. And because he had won pitcher of the year the year before, there was a handful of coaches that didn't vote for him. Right. And their reason was he already won it. So we, we take a kid, right, that does all the things you ask him to do put all the numbers together that you ask him to put put up to win an award, right? And he gets snubbed because he's already won it. And it's like, you can't control those things. So it, instead of winning pitcher of the year in our conference, he won pitcher of the year in the region. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. But that's it's ridiculous like, because it sounds that that's the same type of thing. Like I remember when I, I was a head coach at one point in a, at a small school and you go in and you sit down and you do the voting of who's going to be who, right? And basically, you're not going to give that award to the same. You're not going to give more than one award to one person. Like, they don't want to. They want to spread it around around the league. Well, it doesn't really matter. Like, if this is the best guy for that, they do it in college, too, it sounds like. Like, they pick they pick based on merit, which is just kind of weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, coaches, when it comes to being able to pick Awards like that probably shouldn't be picking. It should right. be athletic directors who have, you know, little to no say in the outcomes of games and things like that. Right. Um, that just look at the numbers for the numbers and, you know, don't look at the fact that, well, I hate this coach and I'm not going to vote for any of his players. And I mean, you know, like it's just a, it's a dumb way to do things. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I told our guys, like, I don't care about those things. Like, you know, it's great for you guys. And if you earn it, you should be awarded those things. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like you don't always get what you earn. Right. It's it's a life lesson. It's like, hey, you know, like you may be the top performer, but you might not get the promotion, you know, all the time. Right. And you've, you've got to take things from that. Like, you know, I know our, our pitcher last year was super disappointed, but it's like, hey, you know, learn from it. And, you know, move on. Like, it doesn't define you as a human. You know, everybody knows what kind of year you had. It's never going to leave because your statistics are going to be there forever. Right. You know you did what you needed to do. You reached a lot of your goals throughout the year. It's not a failure, right? It's like you can't control those things. And we talk about a lot of that stuff about control what you can control. Like, you can't control certain things. So it's like there's no reason – to spend time, you know, crying and whining about the stuff that you can't. It's like, that's what makes people miserable. So it's like, Hey, I think a lot of that has to do with that talk in your head too. Right. Because you can, you have two options with that. You can be like, did I do everything that I possibly could do to be successful and and do that? And I just didn't get the outcome that I wanted, but I know that I was, you know, like in your mind, it's a mental game because this award tells me I did it, but like the numbers, you know, the award doesn't tell me it, it, now I didn't get it. So it's just a mental yeah. game. It's like, do you need that to tell you that you've been successful in what you're doing, no matter what it is? It's like, no, you just need in my mind anyway. And this is the way that I think about it. It's like, you, you need to know that you did everything you possibly could do. I wanted yeah. really badly to be a college baseball player. Did I, at the time when I was in high school, did I try hard enough to make, you know, did I work hard enough to make it happen? I was doing more than the other guys but I just wasn't athletically talented like they were. So hard, you know, I did everything I could and it didn't work out. Yeah. And I know that I did. Well, I think, you know, the big thing with our guys, like, you know, and it's funny, like looking back at, you know, when I played and, you know, 
I can be a fiery guy. Like I can get in guys. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it's a different time, you know? So like, again, you know, we're going to fail. Like it's baseball, right? Like you have to be able to deal with failure and the idea of what is failure? Well, failure to me is if you make a mistake or you do something that, you know, has a negative outcome and you don't learn from that mistake, that's a failure right. to me. That that's, that's failing. Like you failed to take some, an opportunity to learn, right? right. We're all going to fail every single one of us and how you choose to deal with that and how you choose to work that through your head is really how you're going to overcome and get better and better. So we talk, you know, to our guys all the time, like, Hey, like you didn't get the result you wanted, but what did you learn? And if they can give me one or two things that they learned, I know they didn't fail. And I know they're in a better headspace, right? Right. It's like, okay, so next time we're in that scenario, you know how you're going to attack this situation better, right? Yeah. Knowing that, again, baseball is a game of failure, right? So if you can't deal with that, you're never going to be good. That's so. That is why I love know. it so much because there are so many, like even just playing, like there's there's so many lessons in, in a bat, right? There's so many lessons in 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 making a split decision of where you're going to throw the ball, where what step you got to take those, all those things like can just turn into a lesson every single time. And I feel like, like you were talking about, there's, there's times where kids just like, they just, they don't, they don't see it. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. I didn't do it. They don't want to take the, you know, um, I can't even look, think of the word right now, but they don't want to take the responsibility, responsibility. for their action. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and it happens. It's like, you know, you're going to get, guys that are going to go on streaks and then you're going to get guys that are going to struggle. Right. And, you know, like I think with our coaching staff, we've done such a good job of relating to our own players in an individual type way, because, you know, before practice, I'm talking to our guys nonstop. Like I'm going like, not just our pitchers. I go up to our position guys like, Hey man, how's your family? You know, how's you, you know, how's school going? What's what class are you struggling in right now? Like has nothing to do with baseball. Yeah. So we're connecting as humans, right? And we do that more often. Whereas now, like when I come down on a guy, like he knows it's coming from a place of love of someone who cares about versus, him. Yeah, who actually gives a crap right. outside of what he does for me on the baseball field. So, you know, like and we talk a lot of, about, you know, just understanding you know, what your responsibilities are as a person, not just as a baseball player, but also like how to take that into your everyday life where, you know, like, let's not let things spiral out of control, man. Like you fail a test. It's not because you're dumb or you don't, you know, like you can't understand the material. Did you study enough? Did you prepare? Did you get a good enough night's sleep the night before? What are the things that led up to you failing that test? Because chances are, if you failed, you missed opportunities to learn. You missed opportunities to be successful prior to failing that test, right? So it doesn't just translate from baseball. Baseball has helped us really get our guys on the same page with, hey, this happens throughout all aspects of your life, yeah. right? Like you understanding like, hey, if you fail at something, chances are you missed opportunities to be successful prior to that. And yeah. now it's about going back and taking responsibility, right? Because I didn't take that test. You took the test. Like I didn't have to study. You didn't study. Like those are the things where it's like, stop blaming other people, start looking in the mirror more and do something about it. You know, right. like if you're not getting the innings that you want, do something about it. Like, don't cry to me. I'm not throwing the pitch. You are like, you want to get on the mound more, do the work to get better, to get out on the mound. I was like, you know, I don't give anything to anybody. You earn everything. Right. It's like, I had a freshman text me the other day and was like, coach, real excited for the summer. These are all the things that I want to do. You know, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity this year to show what I can do. I'm like, Anderson, like, 
I appreciate everything that you did for me this this spring. You worked your butt off, but I didn't give you anything. You earned every opportunity that you got, and you're going to earn every opportunity you get next year. That's how it works here. So it's like you do what you need to do over the summer to improve on X, Y, and Z. If you need any help, you need anything from me, I'm here, and I'll see you in the fall. So it's like, hey, I'm here. Like, if you want to use me, great. If you have it all figured out, great. Just understand when we get in the fall, it's go time. Right. So, you know, I'm always like, I sent a a text to our our pitchers um, just the other day, just a reminder, fellas, I'm here for you. Let me know how I can help. I'll be around all summer. Whoever hits me up. Great. I already have like certain things that I'm going to do with certain guys over the summer, you know, and if not, I'll see you in the fall. Let's have fun. Let's get after it. Yeah, I mean, it's and that's the thing. I, I think that I, what I love about sports is that it just teaches you. There's so many lessons from that I apply to my life in general, like as is, is easy as being on time, right? Or being early, you know, those types of things. Those are all your choices and how you use them and how you relate and how you build that rapport with whatever you're doing in life is based on a lot of, of those activities and how I was talked to by my coaches and how they took interest in me and wanted me to succeed. So it's a great way to get them going. Yeah, it's, it's fun, man. Like I never, uh, I guess, you know, looking back, I, I didn't realize like I would enjoy it as much as I do, but it's, it's fun to, to be able to relate to guys. And I think like, honestly, going through Mark's course and going through and lifted has really helped me be able to relate better. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas, you know, I'm a fiery guy, like I, I'm very competitive, so I can get going pretty good. And it's really helped me take a step back and be like, okay, let's take a different look at this situation. Um, So instead of me going absolutely nuts, you know, like, Hey, I got to figure out where my, where my guy's coming from, where he's at mentally. Right. And that's going to dictate what I say to him in this moment. And then, you know, again, like after the, after everything's settled, I like to have that one-on-one conversation with that kid after it's all done. Like, Hey, tell me what you think, what happened, right? In your word, tell me what happened. Yeah. Let's walk well, through it, right? It's really like a, it's, that's, that's kind of like with anything that you do. And I'm sure you deal with this in your business as well as like learning how to manage people is really what it's about because you, you can't talk to every single person the same way. And so getting to know how they react by, you know, personally having a conversation with them, understanding that maybe fiery works with this guy, but it doesn't work with that guy. You know, like sometimes you have to kind of talk to a guy in a normal tone, or sometimes you got to yell at a guy to get your point across. And that's, I think that a lot of coaches do that really well. And then there are some that are just like, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. It's just ridiculous. And you, you have to be willing to make that happen. Yeah. And, you know, I tell guys in the fall, um, one of the first things that when I meet with all the, all the guys on our staff for the first time is listen, take a look around fellas. It's like, do any of you guys look similar? And it's all, it's always no, you know, it's like, if you don't look similar, do you guys behave? Do you have the same characteristics? Like, are you all outgoing or some of you shy? Some of you a little more outgoing, some of you really outgoing. Right. And they're like, yeah. It's like, well, then don't expect me to treat you the same way. Yep. Cause that's not how this works. I was like, the only time you need to be worried is if I stop paying attention to you. If I stop talking to <laughs> you and I stop paying attention to you, you're in trouble. Right. Because I know I'm going to figure out what I need to do in order to motivate you to get the very best out of you. And that might be to chew one of your butts, that might be to give one of you guys a hug. But just because I give one guy a hug and I chew the other guy's butt, it doesn't mean I like the guy that I gave a hug to any more than I chewed the guy over here. It just means I know that's what it's going to take to get the very best out of you. Right. And we're going to figure that out together, you know, over the next year. And the guys that have been here, I know what I need to do to motivate those guys. Right. But don't think that just because, you know, I hug this guy over here that I, I like this guy better. Like that doesn't, you know, 
those, those things don't translate for me. So, you know, we set that tone very early with how we communicate with guys. Um, One of the big things that I feel like has really helped us um, as a staff. And I know our head coach does it with our hitters as well as we debrief, right? So you get a, anytime you pitch in one of our games, or we also do it in the fall with uh, inner squad, I send out a questionnaire that they have to fill out. And it's basically like a self-guided journal, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I ask very specific questions that I want answers to that they have to think about right after they, you know, compete. And then the next day we have a conversation about it. It's like, okay, you, you tell me like, what, why did you, why did you write this? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Right. Like, and so we go over that cause um, you know, that's a, it's a very powerful thing to start putting stuff down on paper, right. Versus you and I just having this conversation. It's like things come out when you actually have to write stuff. Right. That a lot of times don't, doesn't come out in our actual language, you know? So I feel like us having done that now, like allows guys to reflect a little bit more, allows me to see into them a little bit more um, and where they're at both mentally. And then just from a whole, you know, headspace, um, perspective and the guys seem to like it you know like i think initially it's a little um awkward for some of the new guys because like ooh, i gotta i better make sure i write something the coach isn't gonna get mad about <laughs> you know it's like but that's not that's not the whole point it's like i want that honesty and their perspective yeah. you know uh because i can't help them if i don't like, yeah if they're I not honest with themselves how can they how can they really fix the situation and, right. And that's the, that's, that's the whole thing. You, you just, you have to be willing to be able to be honest with yourself so that you can fix whatever you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's crazy. It, and the tools that, that Mark has given me through going through it lifted is like changed my perspective on how I even approach those situations. And if I have a guy struggling, like I've done story work with our, with guys on our team, like, Hey man, like, I can see you're struggling. I'm going to send you a document that I want you to read and you and I are going to have a, have a conversation. Right. And I've been able to pull things out of guys that I'm just like, Holy crap. Like now I get it. Now I get like they, why they are the person they are um, and how they get stuck on things. Right. It's a very, it's a very powerful thing that I, you know, going through it initially, I'm like, this is kind of interesting, but I mean, you know, I use it all the time. I use it with our guys. I use it with all my clients. Hell, like um, it's actually changed my relationship with my wife, with Mm -hmm. my daughter, like how I interact with them, Um, how I use, you know, I'm very picky and choosy with what I say, especially around my daughter who's six. Yeah. Uh, And she's not immune. I bust her out on her language too. Right. Like she, uh, she's wishy-washy with things. It's like, no, we, we need to be a little more definitive. Like you need to, you know, be a little more definitive with the, the words you choose. Right. Yeah. And, it's uh, just, it's crazy because you, you kind of compared like, okay, look around and see if anyone looks like you, like no one is the same, no matter what, like, and that boils down to the very minor things. Like how were you raised? How did your parents communicate with you? How did you, you know, interact with people at school? Like these are all things that you don't see and you have to learn. And it goes back to the managing thing, like, like the yelling at someone or, or having a conversation with them that's quiet and, you know, like that may trigger them and they may shut down. They may not do that, but getting to know them at that level, how they talk to themselves, how they can fix what they do is just a, it's a great tool. Yeah. And you know, it, it just takes practice, right? Yep. And it's like, it's like anything else. Like, you know, if you want to be good at being mentally tough, you got to practice, if you want to be good at having positive self-talk, uh, you got to practice, right? Yep. So, you know, all those things, it, it's it's great to say that they exist, you know about them, but if you don't actually work on them, it's very difficult to get better at it, right? right. It's like, you know, if, if we want to be able to throw more strikes, we have to practice. If we want to be able to execute this bunt play, we have to practice, right? Like yep. it, it's, it's like anything else, you know, um, we all could be better at a lot of things. I could be better at a lot of things. 
Um, but I also continue to practice, you know, like I've been doing what I've been doing now for 20 plus years. I've owned a business for over 12 still to this day. Like I don't have all the answers, but I continue to practice. I continue to try to get better. Um, you know, we're both my business partner and I, like we're continual learners, right? Like that stuff interests me. So, you know, like if I ever get to the point where I'd want to stop doing that, like I need to find something else to do. Yep. And that's a, that's a great, a great way to put it. You know, and I look at that in my life the same way. It's always trying to improve no matter what, because if you don't, what is there? You know, you can always be better. You never get to that end. That that chase of perfection is one of those things that just drives you. So yeah, and it's you know if if that's your ultimate goal, man, that's that's tough. Like that's a tough thing to live up to. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how people do that, but uh, you know, it, it is good to have goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have goals. We I sit down with my wife every year. We have you know marriage goals that we have. We have certain things that we want to do. We build a plan around those things. I sit down and write goals for, for our business, for baseball, like, and then, you know, I have our guys go through the same thing at the end of fall. We go through a goal setting um, thing where every guy has to write anywhere from three to five goals, two to three have to be baseball related. The other three can be, or the other two can be, family related can be school related. Right. Yeah. Um, but we go through that. We do a full hour of here's what a goal is. Here's how to construct one. Here's how to write it. Here's how to like all those steps, right. That we go through to make sure that we're writing good, solid goals that are actually like something that we can measure. Right. right. And then I have them write them on a, on a note card. And then at the end of the fall, Every single guy has to stand up in front of the team and read off his goals. Every guy. And then we take that card and we laminate it for him. And now from the time at the end of the fall to the end of the season, they have to have that note card on them somewhere. So if I see a guy on campus and I ask them to pull out their note card and they don't have it, you're in trouble. Now, if you have a picture of it on your phone, I'll take that. Right. But you have to have it with you all the time. And every once in a while, like what we'll do at the end of practice, I've done it at the end of a game. Hey, Micah, take out your goal card and read out one of your one of your five goals. And they have to do it right there, right then and there in front of the team. And then we always do it like at our banquet at the end of the year. We have guys come up, read their goals. And then how many of those did you accomplish this year? Right. Yep. So like everybody gets to be appreciated. Everybody gets to see like, holy crap. Like I, I achieved every goal that I wrote down. I achieved three out of the five. I achieved like, but when you put it out in the world, right? Like you put it out in the world that this is my thing. Now you have accountability to 35, 36, 37 other guys that if you're not staying congruent with those goals, they should be, they should be calling you out. Right. Like, you're not doing the work because you put it out in the world that you wanted to be, you know, first team all conference player of the year, but yet you haven't shown up to a single extra hitting session all winter. Like that doesn't work, man. Yeah, it's like, not coinciding with what you're saying. You're not, it's not, yeah, jiving, it's not man. congruent, right? <laughs> so, so it's like, I found that that's a powerful tool that we use that, you know, has become something where our whole coaching staff does it. So like, we're not immune. It's like, I stand up in front of everybody too. Like, Hey, here are my goals for the year, fellas. Like, here's what I'm working on. Hold me accountable. Right. If I'm not doing what I, what I say I'm going to do, hold me accountable. You know, like our whole coaching staff does it. So it's not like I'm asking anybody to do something I don't do myself. Um, Or like, Hey, I'm going to write my goals down, but I'm not going to share them because I'm not confident enough in what I'm doing. No, I'm going to stand up in front of you and say, hey, hold me accountable, fellas. Like, you know, like our coaching staff does the same thing. Like hold us accountable to the things that we're trying to do. Yeah. If you, you can't, you can't tell someone to do something if you can't do it yourself. I mean, that's all there is to it. People respect that. People see that. And I'm sure they, 
they really like that you are able to prove to them that you're doing it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's great, man. It's, it's just, it's helped me in a lot of ways, like between, you know, like all aspects of my life. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where baseball, business, family, like, you know, they're all important things in my life. Um, and like keeping that balance, but also like just being able to communicate, you know, and being able to communicate with my wife, my daughter, um, you know, my players, coaches, friends, you know, yeah. it's a big deal, you know, trying to keep all those things together, you know, when you're super busy all the time, make sure that those relationships are nurtured and everybody's on the same page. And if there's an issue, like being comfortable with having those tough conversations, yeah, right? Well, I appreciate you taking the time to hang with us and talk to us about this because it's, you know, not only is it important to me, but I think there's a lot of people in our audience that would love to hear a little bit more about that. Um, if they want to reach out to you, can they do that? And where can they find you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram. Um, it's just uh, B.A. Miller um, at Instagram. Our body, active, body activation is our business page that you can go on Instagram, find us on there. Um, our website is www.body-activation.com. Um, all of our email stuff's on there if you'd like to get in contact. And then, uh, yeah, I'm on the uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering Athletics page. I've also got an email on there in case you want to reach out from a baseball perspective um, for whatever reason. Yeah, multiple ways to get in contact. Multiple with ways, man. I'm all over the place, so... It's always you know, a good thing um, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, as it's long just as you trying to manage you, everything. Yep. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. You know, I sent you over on Monday. I sent you over an invite and we were, we we're already doing this on Wednesday. So that's awesome that you were able to, you know, get it out of the way and, or not get it out of the way, but come and do it. Yeah. You know, cause I no, know you're getting really busy. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I was like, holy crap. I'm like, I'm looking at my schedule. It's like, I actually have an opening on Wednesday, but I'm looking at my schedule and like, shit, I don't have another opening for almost a month. Yeah. So I was like, hopefully he's cool with doing it right <laughs> yeah. away instead of waiting around. Yeah, no, it's great. I, it's, uh, I always love it when people just respond and they're, you guys have been really good. Mark was really good about just being here and you didn't really need me to kind of, a lot of times with guests, you have to kind of baby them to get them where you need to get them. And, and it's, it's been really good. So I appreciate you doing it. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, uh, you know, um, it wasn't too boring for oh, you. Oh no, it definitely wasn't for me. <laughs> so. And I, and I think a lot of people can get that information. I think that it's, it's very sports in general, self-talk, those types of things all go into goal setting, no matter what it is, no matter what that goal is. And I think we made a lot of good segues to that, that it, it carries over. We may be talking about it in baseball, but it carries over to life. Life is the same way. It's just, how do you deal with that failure? How do you talk to yourself? How are you, What's your plan? Like you got to have a plan. Nothing's going to happen without that plan. So yeah, that's great. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it seems very easy, right? When we talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, I can do that tomorrow. I could do that, you know, but it's like when you actually sit down and you have these serious conversations, whether it's with your clients or your athletes, like, you know, but the, the biggest one is sitting down with your wife like your girlfriend your right. you know, somebody that's important to you like that you're sharing your life with and being on the same page it's like holy crap it's like you know we have my wife and i we have things we want to do like yeah. so let's let's write them out like let's talk about how are we going to get there right let's not let's just not hope that things work out in our favor and all those things that we think we want like they just happen it's like let's write them down put them somewhere where we can see them and we start working towards them you know, like that's the best way to get those things is let's put a target there, man. Like you want to shoot at something. Let's actually have a target. You know, right. it's, it's tough to shoot it at things that you don't know that even exist. Right. right. You can't just throw it all out there and hope something happens. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, you just got to do it. And I think it's, you know, between that and I'll tell you what, if you have kids, the biggest thing that I found that is huge and I can't take credit for it, Mark actually like him and I were having a conversation and it got brought up and I started doing this with my daughter about a year ago. She can't even write. Like she's just now starting to write, but we keep a wins journal for her. So like 
before she goes to bed, we have a journal that we uh-huh. open it up. Hey, give me one or two wins that you had today. Right. Cause I don't think we celebrate the wins enough. Like, no, we don't you know. We, we really just focus on the negative all the yeah. time. Like what happened to me bad today? Like, Oh, you know, it's like so depressing. That's why everybody's so depressed. Right. Cause they can't get out of their own way. But it's like, you know, what good happened today? Like, let's celebrate it. Right. So like, yeah. I'm hope I'm hoping she continues to do it. So by the time she's 18, you know, and she's getting ready to graduate, I hope she has 15 journals full of one or two wins every day that are dated. So the way they're done now is like we date them and she tells me her wins, we write them down and then she scribbles her name. Right. So now that she's starting to write a little bit, like she's writing part of her own, Mm -hmm. but it's like, that's powerful stuff, man. Like who the hell is doing that? That's a good, that. I like that. I, it's, it's one of those things that'll get you in that right mindset to be able to win instead of having to yeah. think about being that failing. Cause it gets you, that is, it's a hundred percent. The problem with this world right now is like, all we do is look at all the negative crap, but there is good stuff going on and we just don't see it. And to be able to pick that out and define it is, is yeah. an awesome trick. And everybody's going to have a bad day, man. Like that happens. Like, but you can't tell me that one good thing, didn't still come from that bad day. Right. Right. And we do it right before bed. So it's like, if that gets in the front of her mind, like, you know, I had a bad day because these things didn't work out or she didn't get what she, she didn't get dessert. You know, she didn't get what she wanted, but she's like, Oh, I helped one of my friends on the playground today. Great. We write it down. That's in the forefront of her mind as she goes to sleep for the night, not all the negative crap that potentially happened during the day the positive thing that happened and now she gets to sleep, you know, with her conscience clear and a good thought going into the next day. So you can't tell me she's not going to wake up in a better mood. Right. So it's just, again, I can't take credit for it. That was a Mark England thing that (laughs) him and I were talking about. And I was like, Holy shit, that's such a great idea. I'm going to start with my daughter and it's great. I recommend it to everybody that's got kids. Well, thanks very much. It is, we've got to get going here. I actually have, this is not my full-time job, if you didn't know. So I have a, I have a day job I got to run yeah. to, but I do appreciate you no taking worries. the time to hang out with me. And uh, we'll, we'll keep an open invitation that if you ever do want to come back and you're always welcome and we can talk whatever you want. You know, mindset is a great thing. Yep. Anytime. I appreciate it. Yep. All righty. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you for hanging out for this episode of Shaping Success. I hope that you found Brandon very interesting. It's a, it's a great thing to talk about mindset. This is really something at the forefront of my mentality that I really enjoy talking about because I think that everyone gets stuck in those negative ways because it, it's what's sown this day and age. And if you're able to get past that and know that there are good things, I'm, I, I know right now the the journal, um, the wins journal is going to be happening in my daughter's life because I think that that's a great thing. I think she celebrates the negative things way too much and we need to figure that out, but some tools you can use. So until next time, I challenge you to find the shape of your success. 